I'm Brent McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, if you've run out of stuff to watch or are simply overwhelmed by the number of choices and you don't know where to start while you're in isolation, we've got some recommendations to get you going. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. The theaters are closed, but new movies are still coming out online. I'll review a movie called Resistance, starring Jesse Eisenberg. And I'll tell you what I thought of season three of Ozark. Once again, a reminder or an introduction for those who are listening to us for the first time in a long time. I am back in the studio, but Jeff Braun is working from home as we continue our physical distancing, our social distancing during this pandemic. And because so many of us are spending so much time at home, I don't know if you're hearing this, Jeff, but I keep hearing people say, I've run out of stuff to watch. I've watched all of my shows and I don't really know where to turn. And that's where we come in because when I hear that, I think, you you have nothing else to watch there's like 400 shows you can pick from there's got to be literally hundreds of thousands of hours worth of content at your fingertips just waiting to be plucked away yeah and i think that's maybe part of the problem too is anytime that i go looking for a movie for example uh, like i've got shaw cable and i can just search for all the movies and it will give me off the top of my head, I remember being on one screen and I had 1,800 choices and I just started <laughs> scrolling and what happens to me is I'll, I'll see a movie and I'll think, oh, that sounds good. I'll, uh, I'll put a pin in that one and then I'll start scrolling some more and then I'll see a movie that I maybe want to see more and by the end, I can't make a decision <laughs> so I just end up pulling like Marvel's Avengers off my Blu-ray shelf and watching I've done that. that. Yeah, I've done that many, many times myself. Uh, One of the things, and this is where we come in, that I have found helpful for me is, now I don't have the couch potatoes to recommend something to me because we are the couch potatoes, but I do, you know, subscribe to a bunch of other services and listen to other podcasts and that sort of thing. And it's like, oh, this podcast I like is going to do a whole episode about this movie. Good. I can watch that movie and now I don't have to make a decision. Yeah, so that's a solid pick, and maybe you can name some of those podcasts a bit later on. But why don't we give you some of those recommendations? And I just, uh, and maybe we'll be doing this for a a few weeks here, but uh, I grabbed a couple of shows that I have watched on Netflix that I would highly recommend to you if you haven't checked them out. The first one, one of the best shows, the first season of this show is one of the best seasons of television I have ever seen. It's called Broadchurch. Come near my family again, and I'll break your face. I got you out of a police cell! These people's lives have been destroyed, and now our incompetence has made it worse. Your God left my son for dead! You're my boy, Danny. I promise, we will find the person responsible. So the first season of Broadchurch aired across the Atlantic in 2013. It also aired on BBC America. And then Fox actually decided they were going to remake it for an American audience, change the ending a little bit, and call it Grace Point. I didn't mind the American version, but uh, the original version is indeed the superior product. The first season is eight episodes, and it's about a boy who is murdered. So this is not a happy show. In fact, it's quite uh, difficult to watch at times, but it is gripping television. Such a highly recommended show for me. David Tennant is the uh, the lead detective on this. He's really curmudgeonly and grumpy. Olivia Coleman, I believe that's her name. She was in uh, 
She played yep. the queen. Yeah, that's her. Okay. Um, yeah, she's the his co-detective. She is stupendous in this. Season two was not as good as season one. And it's funny reading the reviews from England. They are just ferocious when they don't like something. Like if it's not even, if it's not perfect, they just destroyed it. But season two was good, just not as good as season one. Season three, I think, was an improvement upon season two. But the best of the bunch was season one. Season two is sort of a continuation of the story from season one and then season three is a brand new story focusing instead on sexual assault so three seasons they're all short seasons like eight to ten episodes so that's an easy one to watch no problem you could plow through that in a weekend i think if you really wanted to hunker down and just give her another show i wanted to bring up here this is something that i i think i might actually revisit it's season one of daredevil you're blind, but you see so much. I hear things. You know what they call stuff like that? Gifts. I'm going to train you. Use it. There are other ways to see. So Daredevil debuted in April of 2015. This is when Netflix launched its own little pocket of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it was huge, and it was awesome. Daredevil is a lawyer by day, Matt Murdock, a blind lawyer, but by night he is the vigilante Daredevil who goes out into the streets and takes out the bad guys. He's got awesome martial arts skills. When he had his accident that made him blind, it heightened the rest of his senses. So even though he can't see, he can use his senses to kind of see it. It's almost like a like a radar, and it looks really cool. It's a neat effect, and it was just fun, and it was super violent. I think that was what people didn't quite expect was how violent it was. This was not Marvel Comics for kids. This was very much aimed at a mature audience, and that first season of Daredevil really set the table. Uh, the best season of the bunch for Daredevil, and it led into the first season of Jessica Jones, which was also excellent. The Marvel shows kind of went off the rails after that. Iron Fist was terrible. At least the first season was terrible. Luke Cage was okay. The first half of Luke Cage at least was okay. The second half of that first season was really dumb. But I re- if you only watch one of them, just watch the first season of Daredevil. That would be my recommendation. Have you ever gone back to watch that at all, Jeff? No. I've, how many seasons did Daredevil proper do? Two? Just two? Daredevil had three seasons. I did three. Oh, I don't think I even saw the third one. I saw the first two of that, and the first two Jessica Joneses, and one Luke Cage, and no Iron Fist. Yeah, I haven't gone back. To, I think there's a third season of Jessica Jones that uh, has been sitting there for months, and I haven't gotten to that yet. Uh, but they canceled Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and then they canceled yeah. Daredevil, and then they canceled Jessica Jones, <laughs> and that. Was, oh, and then there's also The Punisher too. I forgot there's also The Punisher on Netflix. The first season of that is pretty good. I watched some of season two, but I never got around to finishing it. But Daredevil season one. Highly recommended. It's super fun. And then one more I wanted to point out for Netflix. It's a chorus entertainment show, Vikings. I saw something. What did you see? The gods desire you to have a great future. But they can withdraw their goodwill at any time. The laws of men are far below the workings and shapings of the gods. What 
are you afraid of? You and I will always be equal. All the friends and companions of my youth are dead. Feasting and drinking in the halls of the gods. Gift me the chance. Stand to die with honor in battle. And join my friends in Valhalla. So Vikings debuted in 2013 on History. It is produced in association with Chorus Entertainment. Uh, it's shot predominantly in Ireland, and it is... It's been one of my favorite shows ever since it debuted. It is a perennial top 10 finisher when we do our favorite shows of the year. Now, here's the thing about Vikings, though, if you want to watch this show. The first three seasons are on Netflix, but then seasons 4, 5, and 6 are on Amazon Prime Video through an add-on subscription from Chorus called Stack TV. So, I, and I, I forgive me for not having the full details in this. I just, like, when, I, when we were writing up the show uh, just before we came on, I discovered where to find Vikings. And Stack TV includes Global, Food Network, Canada, HGTV Canada, W Network, History, Adult Swim, Slice, Showcase, National Geographic, Teletoon, Treehouse, and YTV. So it's a service that's designed for cord cutters. So if you don't have cable, but you have Amazon Prime, you can then subscribe to Stack TV and get these extra channels, but it's $12.99 a month. So I need to look into this further because I'm not sure how it works if you've already got a cable subscription. Like, I've got all these channels through my cable, So, but if I wanted to access Vikings through this service, do I have to pay for all these channels again or maybe it's already available for me as a cable subscriber on demand i need to check that as well so if you I, like i said i'm on shaw you can always double check how many episodes of vikings are available on demand but in the meantime you can start you can get started on netflix and if you don't have cable and don't mind paying for further services you can do stack tv through amazon and just one more note on on the the, the subject of vikings because he mentioned Valhalla in there. There's a show that I've been meaning to watch on Netflix. It's called The Valhalla Murders. And the, the only reason I, why I want to watch it is because it's set in Iceland. And I love, I keep bringing up that show Trapped. Well, now I've got another show that's uh, set in Iceland. So that looks really good. I'm going to check that out. And up next, Jeff's going to give you some of his recommendations. And there's a show, this first one that you're going to tell us about, my dad has been hounding me to watch it as well. So now I've got my co-host of The Couch potatoes and my dad smash gordon telling me to get on it we'll find out what that is next you're listening to the couch potatoes welcome back to the couch potatoes i'm jeff he's brett we're going through some recommendations we have for you right now things that you can find uh, somewhere on your tv or your streaming or what have you uh, just stuff to help you while away the hours if you're stuck at or the hours rather if you're stuck at home like so many of us are and have been and now brett right before we went to break you said your dad's been pushing you to watch this show yeah he has and he also i believe recommended highly that you watch a show called the leftovers that you never watched right correct he has all the seasons on blu-ray i could get my hands on them anytime i wanted mr mcgarry you're my hero <laughs> Just want to, he's got impeccable taste <laughs> he does he does <laughs> all right well the show i've been talking about i've been watching it it's a few weeks into it now it's on the fx channel and it's called devs this is your station but what am i actually doing here i'm not gonna tell you don't worry you're gonna figure it out The last time I saw him, he was headed toward Devs. 
and then he disappears. Something bad happened to him. You know what happened to him. If you came for answers, ask me what you don't know. What is Devs? Devs, D-E-V-S, is on FX in Canada. It's also on their FX Now Canada app, which so you could get it on there if, if you have it on your cable or whatever. You can download their app and get their shows through that as well. In the U.S., it's on FX on Hulu, which I gather is an FX channel on the Hulu streaming. But, of course, we don't have Hulu, so we can't watch it like that. They're also an episode ahead of us, from what I gather. The show comes from a man named Alex Garland. He's made a name as a screenwriter and director for movies like Ex Machina and Annihilation. He also wrote the Dread movie reboot back in 2012, and he's uh, made the movie Sunshine in 28 Days Later. He also wrote the novel The Beach, which was made into that Leonardo DiCaprio movie. So he writes some weird, crazy things, and now he's made this weird, crazy show called Devs. It stars Ron Swanson from Barks and Rec, real name Nick Offerman. He plays Forrest, a man who owns and runs an artificial intelligence company called Amaya in San Francisco, and it's very advanced tech. Enough so, and everything in the show is sort of advanced, that it might be set a little bit into the future or there might be something else going on that they just haven't revealed yet, but it doesn't seem like our current modern day. Uh, this company of his has a division called Devs, and what they're up to is pretty amazing. I'm not going to spoil it, but it is worth the hype that they give it within the show. Everyone talks about, oh my, it's at Devs and all that sort of thing. There's also a murder mystery going on. One of the employees of the company is trying to solve it. Now, we, the audience, know what's up we see it in what happens in the first episode but this one character doesn't and we watch her trying to piece it together and that could sometimes be a tricky way of putting a show together because more often the audience is also in the dark and there's the thrill of having things unfold for us as they unfold for the characters now when we already know what's going on there's sort of a risk that we'll be bored watching this other lady try to figure it out but the good news is that is not the case here in fact it is the opposite we know who's lying to her and all that kind of fun stuff so it's coming at it from a bit of a different angle than what you usually get but it's quite exciting the set design is gorgeous and funky and amazing it's really just a show to behold i can it goes kind of slow at times but uh i mean lots of if the show can pull it off it's worth it uh, better call saul does it and we don't mind that that's slow that goes slowly and for some reason it's still the fastest hour on tv so if you haven't started seeing devs yet i would recommend going back and catching up and just getting on board with devs over on fx the other big recommendation i have today is on on Netflix, and it's a show uh, I've talked about in the past, and I'm still watching it. It's called Lock and Key. Hey, check it out. We're here. Welcome to Key House. I could never get your father to talk about his life here. My kids need a home. Does it have to be this home? This is sort of like a teen fantasy type show on Netflix, and it's it's about this family that moves into this crazy magic house, and it's a mom and their three kids. They move there because the dad just got murdered in front of all of them back across the rest of the country. That was in Seattle. This show takes place 
close to Boston. So they moved to this old house, which is a family home. It's been in the family for years. It's been empty for years. And then the little boy at first figures out some magic stuff, and the rest of them start finding out how magical this house is. There's all these hidden keys that have magic powers that can transport you anywhere or make you invisible and all this kind of stuff. So it's it's been really fun. And then the teenagers in the show are also, you know, starting at a new school, and they got some teenage drama stuff going on over there. And there's all, all sorts of small town intrigue, which is always interesting because I like the small town stories where you get a bunch of different colorful characters and, you know, it doesn't seem crazy when everybody just runs into each other at all across town or bumps into somebody on the street or whatever. Like shows like Seinfeld would do that in New York where there's 8 million people. And it's like, there's no way you're running into your friends just by accident that often on the streets of New York. But in a small town, it actually makes sense. So there's, it's, it's funny. It's got a lot of sort of teen drama and a bunch of mystery and intrigue and sci-fi stuff. It's really a whole bunch of different shows smashed into one. And I, I'm, I'm through, I think, four or five episodes now. And I've been enjoying it quite a bit. So I would recommend Lock and Key if you're looking for something different. Up next, I'll tell you what I thought of Season 3 of Ozark. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Going to tell you what I thought of Season 3 of Ozark. But first, what's coming to home video this week? I'm working on a novel. The main character is a girl. Make sure she's married by the end. Or dead. Either way. Excuse me? Those are just stories, of course. I think that they're not good. I'm going to be the best painter in the world. I hope you will be happy that you've ruined your life. I'm prepared to give you 5%. 9%. 6%. If I'm going to sell my heroin into marriage for money, I might as well get some of it. Little Women. Did you see this? I did see it. It's a masterpiece. And uh, Greta Gerwig got, got, what's the word, snubbed? I think if you get the nomination, you can't, it doesn't count as a snubbing. So, oh, well, she got snubbed as Best Director, right? Yeah. But she got nominated for writing it for Best Adapted Screenplay, but did not win it. Uh, so she, I, I do consider that uh, a bit of a shafting. She, that she has no Oscars and has made Little Women and Lady Bird is ridiculous. Let's, little, I've never seen Little Women before, and I... And just it's very entertaining. You don't think it's going to be because it's uh, it's old timey and old timey clothes and stuff like that, right? So you always <laughs> think, ugh, that's going to be a chore to watch that. But it's not. It's very entertaining. The people who were familiar with the story had read the book and seen other versions said this version is uh, among the best, if not the best. So I think I I would very highly recommend this. I. Need to get my hands on this Blu-ray or DVD on Tuesday somehow, but there's no source to go to, so I guess I'll have to order it online, and I don't think it's going to get here by Tuesday, but I'm definitely going to check it out, and it's already um, available on Digital HD, so you can rent Little Women whenever you want right now. Um, also on Blu-ray and DVD this coming Tuesday, Doolittle. Robert Doolittle Downey Women. Jr. Yeah. Yeah, the new one. I kept thinking Eddie Murphy, and I was like, why is this on? Oh, it's <laughs> a new one. Okay. So, so where he's Dr. Doolittle, and he talks to the animals, and that uh, didn't make a lot of hay in the theater. Did it do well? I can't even remember. No, no, it didn't. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it, it sort of came and went. I think it, it had bad reviews, terrible yeah. reviews, if memory serves. And let me just what? pull up the box office here. Doolittle made uh, $77 million domestic. That's not what they wanted, I'm sure. But second chance on home video and boy is that going to be a 
bigger pull for them now than it would have been under normal circumstances, I would imagine. Also on Blu-ray and DVD on Tuesday is Cats, which nobody seemed to see, and nobody, the people that did see it didn't seem to like, so I don't think we'd have, I'd worry about renting that or buying that. Uh, I'm just looking at Doolittle's total uh, take. It made $227 million worldwide, so I guess that's not bad. Yeah. I wouldn't call that a flop uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm sure they were hoping for a much larger run in uh, the United States. But that could end up being a very popular family title for people at home who are struggling to figure out what to do with the kids during the pandemic. All right, so that's what's coming to home video. Here's a show. If I told you about it last week, seasons one and two were good. But I can confirm to you that season three of Ozark is great. Your husband is in great danger. I don't need to go in there. You need to take Navarro down. You lie to your wife. You lie to me. And you lie to yourself. What do you want? Quick recap in case you missed last week's episode. Jason Bateman plays a financial guy who launders money for a drug cartel, a Mexican drug cartel. Things go poorly for him, so he takes his family, moves him to the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, where he ends up laundering even more money for the cartel and gets into other assorted criminal activity or gets associated with other assorted criminals and crooks and drug lords. And it's very complicated and it's fun it was kind of like breaking bad i think that was sort of what what netflix was trying to do was establish its own breaking bad so season one was good could have been better but there it definitely had promise excellent acting season two same thing could have been better but still worth watching because jason bateman and laura linney who plays his wife are so so good and the supporting cast is just tremendous in fact uh, one of the, the one of the, the the actors won an emmy for her her name is Julia Garner, I believe. I'm just sorry. I, I am terrible at remembering names off the top of my head as oh, I get older. Me too. It is. I was never much good at it to begin with, and it's only getting worse, and it's only getting more embarrassing. Yeah, it's. A, I have so much useless information rattling around in my brain that I, I can no longer access it quickly uh, because my uh, brain needs to sift through all the garbage. Yeah, Julia Garner, who plays Ruth, supporting character, she won an Emmy for her portrayal in Ozark. She is outstanding. And season three is excellent. The, the acting on this show is so good. Like I finished, I got halfway through this season. I've watched the first five episodes and I sent out a tweet saying that it is excellent. And then the first five minutes of the sixth episode had my jaw on the floor. It was such an intense scene between the two of them. They have this fight. Yeah. Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. And it's so good. It's so compelling to watch. So, and then the, what I think I really liked about this is it did not go the way I expected, like I, I was, I figured it would build towards a really sort of explosive climax. And, and don't get me wrong, the way the show ends is explosive, but it kind of slowed down as the season went and became very emotional in ways that I was not anticipating. And I think that was actually for the better. Now that I've had some time to digest it, I think I really, really liked it. And the way that their relationship ebbed and flowed and evolved 
completely. I thought that there everything was going to crumble around them, and instead, well, you just got to watch it for yourself. It's totally worth watching. People were asking me. Uh, I kind of gave up on season two, but you're saying season three is worth it, and I say yes. So if you didn't care for season two, just try to finish it, or at least just watch a recap and then start season three of Ozark. It is wonderful, and of course, after I finished Ozark. I started watching The Tiger King. How far are you into this docuseries? Me? I finished it. I finished it uh, last Saturday, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. I so. tore through it. Yeah. It starts, it gets on a roll, and they were very good with the cliffhanger ending, so I was like, well, now i got to see what happens next. Why? Well, I, I enjoyed it. I have only watched the first two and a half episodes because I, I pressed pause to watch a live stream of something on Instagram and I just never went back to that third episode but very well made I have to say that the production value for this is great uh, I love the camera work I love the editing and the characters of, are, of course are more important you were not kidding Jeff like I, I was not I was expecting insanity but nothing can prepare you I think for how crazy this show is and it's just one after another and there's a new person comes on screen and you think i'm gonna get a little bit of a breather here because by now this person has to be normal and everything will make sense for the next two minutes and life will be good again and then no it's just one crazy person after another and you're just you're just like slack jawed shrieking like what is happening like how who are these people my god could you if i had one of these people in my life my life would be ruined i don't know how they can all stand and be around each other it's just madness it's still the number one show on netflix in canada ozark i think was number two uh, just let's seeing where yeah Ozark is number two Tiger King is number one so if you keep hearing people talking about Tiger King that's because they are gobbling it up on Netflix and you if you like fun documentaries it is worth at least sampling it just try the first episode yeah. and you'll see what we're talking about up next Jeff's got a review of a movie called Resistance you're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I saw a brand new movie this week online. It's called Resistance. 123 children. Their parents were just killed by Nazis. We need to train them to survive. What good does it do to teach them fear? I think it's important to help the children laugh in the middle of this war. There's a group in Lyon arming themselves to fight back. We need to find guns. We need to learn how to shoot. Do you really think I could help anyone with a gun? Of course not. But your passports are impressive. Look at this. Marcel Marceau. It's a great name. Welcome to the Resistance. Resistance, starring Jesse Eisenberg as famed mime Marcel Marceau. This movie was supposed to come out in theaters in May, but obviously that's not going to happen, so the studio put it out on iTunes. You can rent it right now for 7 bucks on iTunes. Um, World War II has been the backdrop of countless films. There were just so many amazing stories from the war, many heroic, many, of course, tragic. Hollywood is still mining new material to this day. This one is pretty small in focus. It's not like a big epic with the storming of the beaches at Normandy or anything, but it still has quite a bit of impact. Eisenberg plays Marcel Marceau, the French mime, easily the biggest name in the mime game ever, the only mime who was a household name. But before he was a household name, he was a member of the French Resistance, and he specialized in smuggling Jewish orphan children 
children out of Nazi-occupied France via the Alps to freedom. The movie opens in the late 30s in Strasbourg, France, where Marcel is a butcher by day, and he's also staging these one-man cabaret shows. He's also a painter. He's just starting off in his artistic endeavors, and his dad hates all of that part. He says, just focus on being a better butcher, Marcel. One day, his friend asks him for some help. A few dozen Jewish orphans are being delivered to the French by the Germans, and Marcel's friend is part of a group that has volunteered to help look after the kids. Marcel supplies the butcher's delivery truck to help transport them, and those kids were sort of lucky, only in the sense that not long afterward, the Germans would not bother delivering Jewish kids to freedom in France. One of the kids, by the way, is now the slightly older girl who played Leanna Mormont on Game of Thrones and stole every scene she was in on that show. Marcel ends up getting involved with the orphanage more and more, especially after he learns that his mime work makes the kids laugh and gives them something to smile about. Then, as the situation worsens, Marcel's drive to do what he can to defeat the Nazis grows stronger, so he and his friends join the resistance, and it goes from there through the war. It's an incredible story, as all stories of the different ways people help their fellow man in a time of need are. The performances are pretty good. Now, I will say Eisenberg is always Eisenberg, whether he's a French accent or not. It works here, but he does come across as Jesse Eisenberg. It's not a knock on him or the movie, but I'm just saying if you don't like Jesse Eisenberg, this is not the movie for you. The movie sh shows just this one chapter in the life of Marcel Marceau. It's a very important chapter, mind you, but it's not like a broad biopic of the guy. My main complaint would be that it is kind of formulaic, so while the story is powerful, it's also pretty predictable. There's a specific Nazi who causes trouble for Marcel and friends all the way throughout, and there are the scenes you expect, like the one where the Nazi is suspicious while they are lying to him about their identities, and it's all very tense. The stuff is good, but we've seen it in every other movie that has a Nazi in it. There are also some very gut-wrenching scenes involving killing and torture and other horrible things. The movie is not graphic in that regard, but it very clearly you know, puts that stuff across, even without showing it, you know what's happening. I, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't think there's a point in whitewashing Nazi war crimes, but it is difficult for some people to see, so I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, they don't really, they don't show it, but they don't really gloss over it either. Some of it's hard to stomach. Overall, it's a good movie. It won't go down as the best movie of its kind, I don't think, but it is definitely worth the rent. You can rent that now on iTunes. Three and a half couch cushions out of five for Resistance. Right on. That sounds great. Thank you very much, Jeff. I got to quickly tell you about something that is coming to broadcast TV on Monday. It's a great Canadian show. It is the fourth and final season of Cardinal. Please, please let me have Robert back. Where is he? Don't leave me here! Don't leave me here! This is personal. One final cruelty. He's taking another one. Don't do this! Cardinal! Get into the final season of Cardinal. Coming soon. Yeah, this show, man, I love this show. It's based on a series of books, Canadian mystery books about a detective named John Cardinal. And the first season was set in the winter. And I think I preferred that setting the best uh, because the second one was set in the summer and they were around sort of swampland a lot. And 
it worked for the claustrophobic component, but something just really was great about the the winter setting because this show kind of feels like it's a Nordic noir show, like uh, something that is similar to many of the shows that come out of Scandinavia, and those shows are so great with that. So, yeah, the first one is, uh, well, typically they're all murder mysteries. And they're good. So, yeah, like, this is prestige Canadian television. So, highly recommended that you check out uh, Cardinal. I believe you can get all the first three seasons on Crave or on demand if you haven't. And uh, they're short seasons, too. Like, I think they're usually only five or six episodes, if memory serves. So, yeah. And uh, I think there are five books in the series, but four TV seasons. So, once I finish these, I intend to read the books, which I bought from my dad, and he said they're good. But that would mean I would have to read something. And every time I say I'm going to read something, I end up not reading something. Instead, I end up watching more TV like this. Next time on Survivor. Everybody drop your buffs. We are merged. So who are you guys thinking? Either Nick or Wayne. Sophie. What's too bad? I have zero clue about what's going on. He says, I don't know what it is. Like, dude! What'd you think of the episode this week, Jeff? <laughs> Survivor, winners at war. Uh, all the jibber-jabber in the last 20 minutes or whatever when they were applauding against each other, that got to be dizzying for me. I honestly was having trouble keeping track of all of it. But that challenge near the beginning for the Edge of Extinctioners to get back into the game, that was amazing. I was... That, I would say that's going to be one of the top five challenges in the history of the show. The Rob versus Tyson at the end, how close they made it look. I don't know if it actually was that close, but it was obviously very close. Yep, I agree. The challenge was amazing, and I was shouting in my apartment because I was pulling for Rob. Now, I don't yeah. have anything against Tyson, but it's Boston Rob. He's the hero of Survivor, and I was just shouting, Do it! Do it! <laughs> and then Tyson won. But Tyson's excitement was palpable, and the fact that he was able to get back in and no one even looked at him, I don't think his name even came up as a someone to get voted out, so... I, yeah. um, I hope he can maintain his spot in the game, at least for a little while. As soon as he went back in, I thought, if they're just putting him back in to vote him out in half an hour, I'm going to be very disappointed. But you're right, I was rooting for Rob, too, just because Rob's such good television, which everybody already knows. It's why he's, well, like, what, the sixth or seventh time he's been on the show? Hey, you're, you're starting to cut out, so I think that's our signal to wrap it up. You sounded kind of like Max no. Headroom there. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff, broadcasting from home. We are the Couch Potatoes. Subscribe to the podcast if you're listening to this on the radio and you want to get it in podcast form. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.